Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do a live on a Monday edition of the program. Merely Bo and the Great Z. Um, all right, I'm gonna. I want to do a little exercise with you here. I appreciate you not asking me how I'm doing. I, I think my T-shirt think. speaks for itself, George Mazanin. <laughs> my mood. That's good. That's good. It's a fantastic T-shirt. Not pleased. Uh, all right. If I let's go. Let's go. Let's throw a banana in Mr. Fusion, and let's go back to Friday. Okay, okay. Friday show. If I were to tell you that Lamar Jackson would rush for 60 yards and score no touchdowns. That Mark Andrews would not catch a pass. Not catch a pass. Not catch a pass. Zero passes. That Lamar Jackson, in fact, would go 9 of 16 from the field for 120 yards. If I were to tell you those things, and then if I were to tell you that Jacoby Brissett was going to go 22 of 27 for 258, and that Nick Chubb was going to average 5.7 yards a carry, if I were to tell you those things, you would have said what? Browns win handily. What a masterful game plan on defense. You completely neutralize one of the best players in the NFL. I really, right. I don't even think that's an overstatement. And I'm talking Mark Andrews, first and foremost. Yeah. Not a catch. Every team in the league goes into games against the Baltimore Ravens wanting to stop Mark Andrews. They don't do it. Why? He's that good. So... The Browns' ability to completely take Mark Andrews out of a game, and when I say completely, I mean completely take Mark Andrews out of a game. Mark Andrews has had no catches in a game twice in his career. Twice in his career. Week 14 of the 2018 season, which I believe is his rookie year, right? He came in same year as Baker, yes. right? So once as a rookie, when he was, and he was not featured heavily in their offense that year as a rookie yeah he came in the same year as baker just to put it in context in his rookie season he played 35 percent of the offensive snaps he had 34 catches 552 yards he had one game with no catches as a rookie he has not had a game without a catch since then until that day i would say we we effectively took out the most dynamic weapon in the nfl in Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson had come into this game averaging 8.1 yards a carry. I would say that Jacoby Brissett was awesome. I would say that Nick Chubb was Nick Chubb. And that there's no doubt in my mind that we won this game. Yeah, and here's the deal. Um, So this is probably a just result. Here's the problem. Going into this game, you're 2-4, and and you probably should have been 4-2. and Yep. You could have afforded... To lose this game where you played relatively well. You played well. Not even relatively well. You played well. Yes. The, the things that did you in, it was clutch. It was some a couple of crazy calls. I don't know that they're, you know, the, the pass interference on Cooper, the false start. The like, OPI was weak. It was, but Amari didn't seem to have much of a problem with it. When they he was both asked stopped about playing. It. it was so weird. Yeah, it was. I, I don't know. But whatever. This loss, if you are 4-2, and two, rings entirely different. The reason that this one sucks and the reason that your mood is that is your mood is because we lost last week and because you lost the Jets. That's the reason. And the Falcons, when you feel like you have it taken care of, the Chargers, the Chargers. when you lose all of those, this one hurts worse. This was a this is a blueprint 
that is the blueprint for us to win games week in and week out. We followed it perfectly. The defense played really well. We ran the ball with great effectiveness. Jacoby Brissett was incredibly efficient. Did not turn the ball over. But you lose sometimes to better teams. Sometimes you get the bar. Sometimes the bar gets you. But when you blow the start to the season the way that we did, then you can't have this. That's why last week was the must win. The Patriots was the must win. They're all must wins. But that Uh, was the must win. I got you. Those type of teams, when you're playing the quarterbacks we played to start the season, that's why the chickens were going to come home to roost on us. Yeah. Because we blew it, boy, when we needed it most then. We played really well yesterday. We should have won. This is not last week. It's not the Chargers game. It's not the Jets game. Those are games we should have won. This, not that. We played really well. Sure. Bottom line is, though, we did still have a turnover. The strip sack, that led directly to points for them. I think that led directly to a touchdown, in fact, on a short, a 20-yard field. And we had a special teams blunder again. And I will call allowing a 40-whatever-yard punt return a special teams blunder that directly led to three points. Our defense on a short field three times did a good job. They allowed a, two field goals and one touchdown. We did a good job in the red zone on them for the most part. We forced a turnover of our own late in the game. Jeremiah Wusukormo had his best game in weeks and was maybe the best player on the field for a lot of the game yeah. uh, defensively for us. But this is a game. I, this team doesn't know how to win. I mean, plain and simple. This team is not in the moments that it matters the most able to get it done. We had so many opportunities to get off the field on that last drive. Third and one, third and three, blah, 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 blah. They kept getting down, but they did a good job. This was an A, in my mind, an A plus defensive effort. Against You're not a very do good better than this, buddy. No. And no so way. how do they get to twenty three points? Well, thirteen of those came on the benefit of not having to go very far to score points. And when that happens, when you're the Browns, that's not good enough. Here are their scoring drives, just so you, to put this into perspective for people. Here are their scoring drives of how many yards they went to score. Nine plays, 61 yards. That's a real scoring drive. Mm-hmm. Four plays, five yards, field goal. Ten plays, 80 yards, touchdown. That's a real scoring drive again. Eight plays, 25 yards, touchdown. <laughs> Eight plays, yeah. 25 yards, touchdown. That's not a real scoring drive, so that's 10 points. 13 plays, 38 yards. 13 plays, 38 yards, field goal. That's under three yards a play. 13 plays, 38 yards, field goal. That's 13 points that they got where they did not have to go 40 yards to score. Yep. And for the Browns, look at the Browns scoring drives. 75 yards, 52 yards, for that's your first 10 points. For the Browns after that, 56 yards for a field goal, 75 yards for a touchdown. So you went more than 50 yards for all 20 of your points. Mm-hmm. They went under 40 yards for 13 of their 23. That right there is a difference. That's on special teams. That's on a turnover in your territory. It's those little details mm-hmm. that matter. And our special teams just needs to be neutral. And we actually, I think, win a lot of games. Our special teams has been a detriment far too often this year. And it is costing us football games. Missed field goal, lost game. Right now, you've got this, a big return, lost game. Missed extra point, lost game. Onside kick recovered by the opponent, lost game. 
three phases, and we dedicate as much time as anybody in the league to special teams. Mm -hmm. And it just comes down to executing. Like, on that return, I was watching it. You knew the guy who on the outside contained, in this case it was Dearness Johnson, you have to force him back to the middle of the field. Yeah. And yet he gets down the sideline and picks up another 25 yards. How? Can't happen. It's just, it's sloppy. It's not good enough. And we played, for the most part, we outplayed them. We did. We outplayed the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. We showed resilience down 20 to 10 to get all the way back to 20 to 23. We had an opportunity again, and we just were not able to convert. But we allowed them, we outgained them handily. 36 to 254. Uh, passing yards gained 258 to 120. Yes. On the passing yard side of things. They averaged um, 3.6 yards a carry. Somebody's like, they ran it down our throat. No, they, they didn't. They averaged 3.6 yards Lamar a carry. Lamar was averaging 75 yards and eight, a game. And eight yards a carry. And eight yards a carry. So, no. They that, did not run it down our throat. That is not what happened here. Here's the issue. Third downs. They're 7 of 15. Mm-hmm. And then they're 2 of 2 on fourth down. So, they're 9 of 15 in drive-extending situations. Yep. We were 2 of 11 on third down. Oh yeah, buddy. How many how many times were, was it first and fifteen, like from a penalty standpoint? It well, felt like we were constantly in third and eleven, third and fifteen. We were never playing complimentary football, um, and yet despite it, it's a twenty three twenty game against a team most people think is going to be a playoff team in the AFC in Baltimore at their place. You outgain them. You statistically you're better, um, but you make these little blunders here or there. We have been talking about this for seven weeks now. We do not have the margin for error. No, and at it's this point, gone. At it's this, been gone, man. It's gone. And here's the thing. You no, want I just mean in games. Yes, of course, from a record standpoint, all of that's long gone. No, but in just games, in no games, there is no margin. Like, the way we we have to play this script, 22 of 27, 258. That should win. That wins, man. That should win. Rushing, 113 on 24, five yards a carry. That should win. Five sacks, though, allowed. Jed Wills had a rough outing at left tackle in this one. I mean, rough. Justin Houston came in, beat him back-to-back plays, including the sacks. He's been so good all year, too. And it was unfortunate to see. But this goes to that, yeah. or the point we're making. He's been good all year. Then you have a game like this. You can't because you don't have the good in the bank. You go to the bank and you're 2-4. and four. So there's right. no withdrawal. No. And, and I, listen, you've... If you won this game, that's why, to me, this one hurts even more. Had you won this game and beaten the Ravens, if you won on Monday night, you were in first place in the AFC North by yourself. Burrow had 300 yards passing at half yesterday. He had 400 on the day. 480. His, his fifth 400-yard game. Yeah. They're, they're starting to cook with gas there. Um, and now, at 2-5, and five, honestly, you've got to consider everything. I, I think you got to – with the phone's ringing for Andrew Barry – if you're not in an acquiring mode, you're probably in a disseminating mode at mm -hmm. this point. David Njoku, high ankle sprain, according to Adam Schefter, out two to five weeks. He's been phenomenal. Go back to that script again. You're three guys in the passing game. You have three. You have a three horses in the passing game. Mm -hmm. Mari Cooper, David Njoku, Don Peoples-Jones, all over 70 yards. All made big plays in that game. Yeah. Now you're going to be without David Njoku. Harrison Bryan has not looked ready to assume a larger role, so we're in trouble there. I mean, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. This season has, in one month's time, gone from two and one to two and five, and basically you are flailing, grasping at straws, flailing for life. The the Chargers never have been here. this. Never. No. 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 The Chargers result followed by 
the performance last week against the Patriots. Chargers aren't good, by the way. No, they're not. They got drilled. They're quite bad. They're quite bad. Which, how? How's that? I mean, we'll get into them as the week goes along. We're not doing Chargers daily, thankfully, right now. We no. only we can only deal with one problem at a time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all of that stuff leads to you can't have one like this. It's too late. You, you mentioned the injury to the Chiefs, so he's out two to five with the high ankle. Jacob Phillips, done for the season with, with a pectoral injury. Uh, Farrell Brown is into the concussion protocol, so there's another tight end that you're that potentially – who knows where that could be. Now you're down two tight ends in a day. And Denzel is still in per- concussion protocol. Uh, and Clowney was clearly not 100%. He no. got it out, but he played, I think, what, 20 snaps? He did not play much yeah. in that game. No, I'm with you. I think I'm sure everything is being examined and thought about going forward, and now you're – I mean, I see when I see McCaffrey traded for a two, a three, and a four, and there was a bidding war with him and the with the Rams and the Forty ers and the Jets lost Brees Hall yesterday. Yes, Kareem Hunt at this point, yeah. it's probably best for him. Not me. I don't know about. I don't want to use those words, but it seems like it would make sense. There would be suitors for a player as talented as Kareem Hunt. He had five touches. He would get an opportunity yeah. to be a starter somewhere, and the Browns would get an opportunity to get some draft picks that they have lost in their various trades. Yeah, it seems like it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point. And, and Jarvis Johnson is a quality number two running back in the event that you were to move on Kareem Hunt. And, and you know, you'll get – maybe you'll even get a little more Nick Chubb, which people want. And, and it's so hard. Like, I realize a lot of time went by in the game where we did not run with Nick Chubb yesterday. And it was frustrating, I think, for everybody. And I would imagine it was frustrating for Kevin Stefanski as well. But that's where, you know, we played really well. But that sequence where we started off being up 10-3 to – and then all of a sudden you were down 13-10 where we have three plays negative four yards. Then we punt it. They get the long return. They go four plays, five yards, get a field goal. Then we go three plays negative one yard. And then they go 10 plays, 80 yards for a touchdown. That sequence, and then it was a two-minute drive. So from that, those three possessions in a row, there was no Nick Chubb. And then our first possession of the second half was three plays, negative 15 yards, sack strip fumble. Like those four possessions were awful. The rest of the game, we were very good. Yeah. But it wasn't, again, it's not enough. It's not enough. And this team, I mean, these are all close games. They're all winnable games. They all could have gone a different way. They have not. And, you know, we run the ball a ton, folks. Like, I hate to tell people that we don't run it enough. We run the ball. We have the fourth most carries in the league, the second most rushing yards. We run the ball a ton. Yeah. Jacoby, we should run more. Our quarterback was 22 of 27 for 258 yards, averaged over almost 10 yards an attempt. An attempt. Yeah. yeah. Like 10 yards is still more as good as it is than 5.7. Yeah. Yeah, this one, I don't, this one isn't, this is cumulative. It's not, this isn't, yesterday wasn't something where I, I'm watching and I'm like, oh my God, really? It wasn't that. It wasn't. This wasn't no. the Patriots game. It's not the Chargers game. It's not the Jets game, the Falcons game. It's not like that at all. You did the script the way you wanted to do it. The problem is, is you didn't take care of the business in the first five weeks of the season, six weeks of the season, the way that you should have to allow for something like this to happen and it not hurt so bad. Agreed. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. So that's it. I also had people saying, what's that call on third and two? Why would you throw a pass? Uh, We threw a touchdown. (laughs) Like that, why would you? Yeah. What kind of a play call is that? A touchdown play call. We Mm -hmm. threw a touchdown. A a bizarre OPI and not even necessary. I think that it's the same thing that that everybody feels, right? There is there is anger in the results, and so that there is a lashing out, and, and I think sometimes yesterday an irrational lashing out 
this if you want to rash you know lash out then lash out with that Patriots loss lash out to the way the Jets game finished lash out to the way that the Chargers game finished there's a lot there that you can have beef with this one you mentioned it it's a couple of special teams things it's a couple of calls I, you did not play bad you played honestly the way this roster is constructed right now you played to the script where you were if you're going to have success at least this was this the was, way you were going to have to have success this was a great he completed 81 percent of his yeah, passes this is i mean this is an elite performance yes he if you play this way too. against the patriots you win if you played this clean against the jets you win oh, if you played this God. clean against the chargers you win we didn't that's why it hurts. This one, on its own, is not – this is not the low point on its own. It's because of all the stuff that happened previous. Well, you've just been going downhill, and you, this did not stop yeah. you from continuing to roll but downhill. Nor will it, which is why we said the first four, you got to be 3-1. and one. Yes, because of, we said that. You got Burrow throwing 480 yesterday coming in here on Halloween. They had three re receivers. Higgins is in seven yards from three – their three receivers all going over 100. That's here, Monday. Yep. So, and we knew at this schedule, we got to play the Bills in this stretch. Got to play the Bills. Now, the good news is, the Bucks. The Bucks are, are brutal. Yeah. The Dolphins aren't world beaters. No, they're not. Pittsburgh almost got him yesterday. If Pickett doesn't throw the ball to him twice, who's the other game in this mix? Buffalo, Miami, Bucks, Bills, Bengals. Those are your four, and then Watson comes back. So you win two of. I kept saying, if you can go four and seven. The world isn't over. If you can get there, we need to just get one. And I don't know how that happens because the odds on Monday night are going to be long, to say the least. You can't start winning until you can stop losing, and we do not know how to not lose No, right now. We just, We're struggling with it. We have found crazy ways to do it. I mean, yeah, this is – and this hurts because this was – somebody was saying, well, how can you be so upset? You know, you, you did 0-16. We weren't no, supposed to win God. in 0-16. We're the, supposed to win. One of the most frustrating things for me is, and I'm sure you get this all the time too, and I, I understand where fans are coming from, but you hear people say, oh, you know, same old Browns, all this. And I'm like, this is not, this, this is not the team. The talent on this team is not the, team that, the teams that Joe played on. No. This is not the same, man. That's, like, that's what makes this, I mean, it makes it worse I think. I mean, I li I didn't live through it like you did, so I don't I don't know. But like, this is not the one in thirty one two seasons. This yeah. is a really good roster, which by the way played really good yesterday against a playoff team in the NFC. Yeah. And it's that it's you hit it. You had the best line. We should have left on that. That should have been the Costanza walkout. You can't start winning until you figure out how to stop losing. We don't know how, and we don't know how. All right, you'll hear from Coach at the podium. Do we have the Hoff today? Jeez, the Joe Thomas hour. God bless him. He'll join us at 2 o'clock. Coach Stefanski's press conference from today. As I mentioned, there's a ton of injuries on this team now. We're off and running. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. OBM, the official printer partner of the Cleveland Browns. Well, you depend on your Browns to win. You can always depend on OBM. It'll tackle any size office situation. Call 216-485-2000. Visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. Now here's your head coach, Kevin Stefanski, at the podium. I think you guys understand how frustrating it is when, when you try to win in this league and, and you and you come close and, and you don't get it done. It's really frustrating. And, and it's frustrating because the guys are putting in the work. Coaches are putting in the work. But we got to come away with uh, victory. So uh, we're, we're committed to that. We're working hard in, in this building today, learning from yesterday. Uh, because you have to, you absolutely have to, you have to learn some of those little things that, that um, we can take care of and then get over the hump and, and get a win, get a big uh, division win. And we get an opportunity to do that this week. We get a division opponent at our house Monday night, Halloween in front of our fans. Uh, that's, that's a, that's an amazing thing for us to have right in front of us. So I, we're excited about that. And uh, with that, I'll take any questions. Hey, Kevin, did you get an explanation from the league about the uh, false start penalty? Not yet. I've had one phone call in. I'll, I'll have another phone call later today. It, when you watch the film, did you think Charlie moved the ball? Because that's what Coach Harbaugh seemed to think. He didn't. I mean, Charlie's a veteran, uh, long snapper. He did nothing differently than he's done his entire career. Uh, we're in no way trying to draw them offside in that situation. The risk reward is way, way, way too high. You may do that. If it's on the plus 10 and it's a short field goal, there's teams I see do that, but that certainly was not what we were doing there. And last thing on the field goal, why go with a yard um, shorter on the second try? Yeah, that's just something uh, with Charlie and and the uh, holder that we got to work through. Hey, Kevin. I know that this season has had plenty of challenges for you guys, but I'm looking at last year and the team's motto was, you know, smart, tough, and accountable. Do you still feel like this far into the season that, the team embodies those adjectives and characteristics. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Cam. Things, you know, you never know what's coming. And it's a test. Everything's a test. Uh, and losing is hard. It's no fun. But it's a test for us. And and I do believe in, in those players. I do believe in those coaches. I do believe in our identity, uh, to, to your point. Um, but we got to just go do it. Um, but but I do believe that uh, everything in front of, is in front of us and, and – you get to you get to really test your resolve uh, right now. Uh, yeah, Kevin, just wondering, you know, after the game, Amari owned um, the OPI and, you know, and, and said that he should not have done that. Um, just your thoughts on, you know, him kind of coming out and doing that. And also after you watched that again, uh, was that the kind of the call that you've seen go either way many times? Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right, Mary Kay. You've seen that one go either way. There is hand fighting in this league. Uh, I get it. He created some separation there. So you're, you're beholden to whatever the officials uh, saw. Hey, Kevin, I'm going to ask you about the last two minutes of the first half and the first series of the third quarter. I think that you, you had called 10 straight pass plays. Uh, so my question is, why wasn't Nick Chubb, why didn't you give call running plays for Nick in those in those two parts of the game? Yeah, I think, you know, we got into a two-minute drive, uh, Jeff, at, at the end there, and we, and we didn't come away with points. I think we started on the uh, 12-yard line, got it out there to the, the 40, 42, uh, and we stalled. And, and that's, you know, I take that that upon me. I have to get the offense to break through there. You're trying to score a touchdown, settle for a field goal, and, and we didn't either. We punted, and that's really unacceptable. But when you get in those two-minute situations, Jeff, uh, sometimes Kareem is in there as our two minute back as our third down back. And in a lot of ways, that's to keep Nick fresh throughout the game. 
Um, and then we come out of the second half and we go sack completion to Nick and then a strip sack. Um, so that, that's, a that's how it went down. Um, it's not what we're trying to do, obviously, um, trying to just be efficient in the run in the pass game, uh, trying to avoid third down as best we can and come away with points when we uh, have opportunities to do it. So, uh, when it's not good enough, uh, that's, that's on me and us to get it fixed. And there were just too many moments there, uh, where the offense hit a lull and versus a good team, you just gotta, you have to make the most of your opportunities. And, and I, I didn't feel like we did that and, and that falls squarely on me. Yeah, Kevin, you know, last week we hear from John Johnson about guys, you know, the, the commitment that we talked so much about. There are reports that guys were pretty loud and animated in the locker room yesterday. Do you feel like the players are at a real breaking point or maybe boiling over with their frustration? No, I don't. That's the short answer. The long answer is losing is frustrating. <laughs> I think I think uh, I hope everybody gets that. Um, nobody likes it. It's a horrible feeling. Uh, look around the league. I'm, I know there's buildings that feel like we do right now. And it's, it's, it's not fun. Um, but I know this, these guys work hard, uh, they, they play hard and they're going to continue to prepare. And, and that's what we, we have to do. And, and that's why this opportunity right in front of us, starting with this Monday night game, that's why it's so important. Yeah, Kevin, I, I know every season is different. Um, in 2020, things were just so challenging for you guys. And it just seemed that no matter what was thrown at you, as far as adversity, you guys just were able to handle it and, and be successful and be at your best. So my question is that why this year do you guys as a team seem to be struggling uh, with adversity, whether it's what, you know, one play or a penalty or whatever, it just seems to, things kind of snowball a little bit on you. So why do you think it's been so tough for you guys this year to kind of not allow that adversity to, to uh, stop you? Yeah, I think you're right there on every year's different. I, I really can't compare the years. I just think uh, where we are right now, we got to find a way to win. You know, I, I've said it, you've heard me say it. Uh, there are the little things in football uh, that you have to do uh, to win on the margins. Um, and we got to start doing them because these games are close. That's the NFL. It's why the product is so great. It's so exciting because these games are close. Uh, we've won close games before, uh, and we have to find ways to close these out. Um, and that's something that we're working really hard on. All right, there's Coach at the podium. And I think, you know, the big overwhelming thing just from a, you know, these injuries have really stacked. When you think about the chief injury, uh, Jacob Phillips now uh, done for the season. So at linebacker, we're now down two guys. I mean, the Anthony Walker Jr. injury, I feel like we gave it the proper perspective it deserved when that injury happened and yep. that's come through. Although the linebacking play was really good this week. Congratulate Coach Tarver's group. They they flat out did a great job. But now Phillips done too. So that, that room has been thinned out quite a bit yep. uh, here in the first. Heck, we're seven games in, man. Yeah, it's un it's unfortunate, you know. Injuries take a toll, and they happen around the National Football League, and no exception, obviously. You know, the Ravens had guys out last week of, of guys of consequence for them. The Browns have guys out now, and yeah, you're banged up pretty good in that linebacker room. But good thing you got Deion Jones, right? I mean, yeah. So now you got Deion Jones. You still got Taki Taki. Still got Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. Uh, you activated Dakota Allen. You've got Jordan Kunashik as well. So. Gunasha can play some backup Mike linebacker for you. So, yeah, you're still there. Our base is still a nickel defense mm -hmm. anyway. So, I mean, usually you're going to have two guys on the field, and we got, you know, three quality starters, and we got some backups, and it is what it is. 
It is what it is. This team, it, it, nobody's going to cry for the injuries of the Browns. So a lot of teams have injuries. I mean, the Niners. No. Nerd. The Niners are even more decimated. Yeah. Mahomes has been good. Yeah, he is good. This season. He's been very, very good. He's quite good. He's quite good. Uh, hey, Cleveland Brown scan. Skip the chore of laundry. Enjoy life, not laundry. Tide Cleaners offering 30% off dry cleaning for the month of October. Be entered to win four VIP Browns tickets to an upcoming home game. Just mention promo code Browns. Visit TideCleaners.com to find the closest location to you. Some exclusions may apply. Joe Thomas coming up in about 30 minutes. Take a look back at the sports weekend coming up next. Listen to Cleveland Browns Daily. Brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. The Bath Authority gives you the bathroom of your dreams. Why not transform your current bathroom into a custom bath for a spa-like situation? Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is our area's premier bath and shower remodeler. They're experts and factory trained installers. You give them a call now, you get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399. Or go to thebathauthority.com. It's where affordability meets quality. An enormous selection of bath projects are all made right here in the United States. Superior products with expert installers the bath authority.com 216-220-8399 um look it's brutal it's a brutal loss um but it's my feeling on it is different than it has been in previous ones and we'll get joe's take on this in a second um as this i i think you you brought we were talking about this earlier in the very first segment that now you are addressing everything as you said, at two and five, like everything's yeah. on the table. Uh, there's already, already being some reporting out there that uh, Kareem Hunt is being, that calls are being made about Kareem Hunt. We said that in the first 10 minutes of the show, yeah. that that makes sense for that to does. be the case. Um, you now have major losses at the tight end position. And so what does that look like going forward for this team? There are certain things that need to be addressed probably right away before you play a game on Monday against Cincinnati. And the tight end position would be at the top of that list. I don't think we're in the move, though. I'm not giving up draft picks to acquire anybody for this season. No, no, no. Right I'm saying now, we just need to get human beings people in off here. the streets. Yes, right. And for so sure. You got Miller Forsall on the practice squad. You got Zaire Mitchell Payton on the practice squad. Mitchell Payton's a good blocker, huge human being. Forrestall can be your second tight end. We'll probably live in 11 personnel. You know, I'd like to see more of Mike Woods at this point. Yeah. You know, Bell's out there. It just feels like he never makes plays. He's playing a lot, and he'd say... How many was he targeted this one? He one. got the one on the sideline, one. and that, that was, was it. it. That's the only time he was targeted. Yeah. Yeah. And then Schwartz was inactive. Schwartz, yeah, I, I feel like at this point, that ship sailed. I mean, you yeah. got to be so pleased with the way that Donovan Peoples-Jones has progressed. I mean, think about this. He targeted Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku, and Amari Cooper a combined 17 times. They caught a combined 16 passes for 200 and 26 yards. So 226 yards of the 258 came on 17 passes out of the 27 and 16 completions out of the 22 to those three guys. They've been great. Amari made the catch on the sideline. I don't know. It's just a stunning catch that he makes. He's an unbelievable player. He's an unbelievable player. I mean, and again, somebody was like when I said that was a touchdown play. No, it wasn't. It was offensive pass interference. Okay questionable call at best number one number two it doesn't change the fact that that play call resulted in a chunk play pos potential and was fine it was a good it, it obviously was a good play call we went on third down i didn't hear one person that's what i think is so funny and hypocritical about people who like to complain about decision making uh, i'll have you know it was also a third down mm -hmm. and reasonable where we threw it to donovan people's jones up the sideline 
yeah. and got 37 yards. And not one person was like, oh, well, we should have run it on that one. Well, why, didn't, why don't you say that there? Why don't you say it there? Because, oh, because it was complete. Is that why? Oh, got it. Okay, cool. It's, it's the, the same thing. As, it's very similar to a tweet I got Saturday as I'm watching Ohio State play Iowa, and somebody tweeted me, well, C.J. Stroud lost the Heisman today. They, won, they scored 54 points. He threw for 286 yards and four touchdowns. I assure you, he did not lose the Heisman today. No. He's going to be just fine. There, it's, there's an irrational bit that comes with social. Um, and that's why I think this game is, is a tricky one for everybody because it is, it's, it is an av- it's at the bottom of an avalanche of things that went wrong. But yep. this, is the, this is a tiny pebble in comparison to what's happened. It's that because the margin has been removed because you didn't take care of business and win the games you were supposed to win in the first six, this one is worse than it previously would have been. It's the proverbial straw that broke the yes. camel's back, but it is not what overloaded the camel. No, not at all. It's, I'll tell you what, it's not fun. I can tell you that. No, it's not. It's not fun. Um, but here's the deal, and you lived through this with the, the two seasons where it was really bad. Foot, losing in football is really sucks because there's a physicality to it and there's a pain that comes with it and and so when when things start to go wrong it's brutal to get through it the good news here and it's hard to find any and i'm i don't think this is much of a stretch all you want to do at this point is to play somewhat meaningful games when deshaun watson comes back in december and we are in jeopardy of that. We're a long ways from that right now. Being the case. Yes. You are. I remember saying in September, what's the minimum requirement? And we were like, oh, you'd love to be six and five. You'd love to be five and six at the worst. I remember asking pointedly, and I said, five and six was the worst. Five and six was the worst. Four and seven, maybe you can sell it. But by the way, Deshaun Watson does not fix these ills. Jacoby Brissett was 22 and 27 for 260. This isn't. This isn't on like Watson's not this elixir that's you out there. You could say that, he, right? Certainly, would we be better with Deshaun Watson? Of course, yes. But Jacoby Brissett, in two of the games we lost, by the way, played phenomenal football. Phenomenal football. It is amazing that he only completes twenty-one or twenty-two passes every single game. By the way. Oh, it's. I mean, I think it's very. But I don't. None of it's by accident. Yeah, but one week he threw forty-five. Well, that's that is true. Yeah. But it feels like this is the similar percentage consistently. 22 at 32, 22 at 29, 21 at He's 20. had 21 or 22 yeah. in six straight games, I think, completions. It's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. Um, from a perspective of a – so that's why you're getting the reported calls about Kareem Hunt and all of that because now what happened with this loss, and it's really these now consecutive losses, where you now are doing two – you're doing two different things. You were doing something where it was how can we make a run this year? Yep. And now you're saying, let's continue to try to make a run. Let's try to win games. Let's try to be relevant when Watson comes back so we play meaningful games in December and January. But also, if there's an opportunity for us to enhance our abilities next year in the draft, then we have to do those things too. So that's without giving up core players. I'm going to give up core young players. No, and with the, when it comes to Kareem, I, I'm thinking I either want to trade if, – if, if he were to be traded, you want to trade him for – a good pick or a young player in a position you like. Like if there's somebody who says we don't like this receiver's not happy here, like the Jets right now, I would be like, okay, here comes Kareem Hunt to you. 
We'll take Elijah Moore, thank you very much. If we have to throw a late-round sweetener on that, fine. But that yeah. has a chance to actually affect you. Not only that's a long-term play. Guy, you got a guy in his rookie contract for two more years who I know is very highly thought of in this building. Like yeah. That's something that would interest me. He for wants sure. out of there. He wasn't even active this week. They put they had Elijah Moore out. They call personal reasons, but obviously, you know, he demanded his trade, and then and everything went down there. So maybe that's something, and, and maybe we're playing fantasy football here or whatnot. But that is what that's what would interest me. I'm only doing things if it helps you this year. That's a ans- that's like bonus, right? But everything right. you're doing is for the future now. Not that you're giving up on the season, but no. you're not making moves that would cost you in the future when you have a full season of Deshaun Watson at the expense of things that can help you with those in those years. No, there are in the AFC right now currently, there are three teams with four game losing streaks. Us, Denver, Jacksonville. Jacksonville has not won since they won at the Chargers. And Denver has lost four in a row. Those that's it, that's the list. In terms of that number I I was mentioning of, of four and seven there are three teams in the AFC East above 500. There are two in the North above 500. There's one in the South, and there's two in the West above 500. Everybody else is 500 or lower in the AFC. So there's not a bu- everyone's not running away with it, no, with the exception right. of the Bills and the Chiefs. Right. They're they are above, but they're above everybody. Right. But everybody else is in the mix, and you've got now. That's glasses half full. The gas glass half empty is Joe Burrow's thrown for 75,000 yards the last two weeks, and he'll be here on Monday with that full cavalcade of receivers. The good news there is you've had success against them. Yep. But they, the Bengal teams we've seen the last two weeks against the Saint and the Falcons are different than the Bengals teams we've seen the previous four weeks. No um, doubt. So you'll get them on Monday. You've got the trade deadline on Tuesday at 4 o'clock. A week from tomorrow? A week from tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And then the bye week after the Bengals game. Yep. So that's your – if you're doing some long-term planning, that's where you're at right now from a schedule standpoint. It's unbelievable that we're everything here. everything would be on this – oh, dude. It's unbelievable. This is where we are in, in after seven games. Look, Vegas had it this way. What did they have our win total at? Six and a half? Seven? I don't know. Seven and a half? Something like that. If yeah. you go look at all the prognosticating at the beginning of the year, a lot of people had us in this mix. Seven and ten, six and eleven, you know? Yeah. Because the Watson suspension went from six games to 11. And so you had to find a way to stay above water. And that was everything that we said. Did I think we'd be here? God, no. Of course not. Should we be here? No. You guys watched the games just like we did. Yep. But the reality is that once those first four went the way they went, and then the next two went the way they went, now yeah, you had to have the money deposited in the bank. Yep. And we didn't do it. Nope. No, we did not. No, we did not. That's very frustrating. And there's, you know, so many things people are upset about in this one. Uh, you know, the OPI, the false start nonsense. The fact that after they blocked the kick, eight seconds went off the clock, so it went inside the two-minute warning, which, which cost us. us 40 seconds. Cost us 40 seconds. How did that happen? Was Is that not reviewable? Can nobody say, hey, wait, check the clock on this? Or did I we don't just... know. Home clock cooking, I guess. It was crazy. I mean, it's. I guess it's based on when they decide to blow the whistle that the play is dead. But I'd have to go. So the back contention and watch is it. that there is no two minute warning if it goes. No, because it went past the two minute. The two minute warning would be cha- like the on the change of possession. It doesn't give you another play. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. And we never got an explanation on the block, on the false start. So uh, did you see? I don't know if you saw in Good Morning Football. Did you see this, Gibbe? 
So apparently Michael Dunn's right foot. That, I saw that going moves, around. Yeah, his but heel it's still lifts up. after the guys on crashed the other side of the line. Yeah, and they made contact. Here's Did what I not? think. This here's what I think on television versus. I don't know what it was like for you guys live. On television, it looked like they called a false start. Harbaugh screaming. They moved. They moved the ball. They moved. You can hear him mouth that. You can see him mouthing. They moved the ball. They moved. And it was and, almost like they changed the call. Yes, is which is absurd. Like they huddled for like two yeah. or two, half, three To minutes. me, it seemed like Harbaugh said they moved the ball. By the way, I'll tell you something. As somebody who's been on the sidelines, no chance he could even see the ball no. when they're all lined up like that. No, no None. chance. No, no chance. I feel like Harbaugh lobbied and got it changed is what it seemed like to me. I heard on TV they were going nuts. Like They were. They could not come up with a, a, any sort of rational. Sterator was like. Steratore was. Had he had nothing. Steratore had nothing. There was no no explanation. But that's it. why you need this sky judge to be like, no, this is what happened. That's why yeah. you need – they picked up after all the roughing the penal, passer penalties have happened around the league. They pick one up where he did get hit in the head. Yeah. Like it or not, that is the rule. You make contact with the quarterback's helmet, that's, a, that's roughing. Yeah. They picked that up. Mm-hmm. And then the OPI was one of the weirdest plays ever because everybody stopped. I don't know. Amari stopped. I was like, I wonder why he's, why is he stopping? He stopped. He, he Peter stopped. walked into the end zone. Everybody stopped playing. It's not like he shoved him to the ground. No. He, they were hand fighting and he barely touched. Like that's never called. He, was, he had his arm here the whole time. Then just yeah. gave a little. It's yeah. It's, it really isn't. Yeah. I, I kind of, exp- it's kind of like my, um, like when I say to the kids a lot, like if you are, if you are good and respectful and kind hearted, and you're that way to adults and children and parents and teachers, you will be given a benefit of the doubt. And it's almost like we get the opposite of that. Yep. If you don't do those things, then people will assume that you're guilty because they'll say, well, you've always been. This and that's kind of what I feel like. Back in the head didn't count. Yeah. Next I think, week it'll count again. Yeah. But this it, week. Eh. It goes back to what I was saying, too, off the top of these little things that we're dissecting here or there. While they would still hurt, they wouldn't be season redirecting had we taken care of the business we were supposed to take care of in the first six games. And that's the reality that we could be sitting here four and three going, God, we let one got to get away. Oh, we should be in first place in the division. Yeah. That would be the tone. Instead we're trading Kareem hunt. Like that's what happens when you don't do the stuff you're supposed to do in the first five, six games. Yeah. It just feels like that this is this season is, while not over, is hanging is on life support at the bat, at the Dude. minimum, and you have to start thinking about next season, as opposed to solely being focused on this season. You're doing two things now. It opened up two parallel lines right. of thought. One, you want to beat the Bengals. Beat the Bengals. Obviously, you have to beat the Bengals. If you don't beat the Bengals, I think at that point it is. I, no, not yet, because you can still get to four and seven. And but that, how are and you going to win the division? Well, you're not, but you can still so, go to four and seven at that point, and okay. you can still get to a point where Watson comes back. You can at least pebble so you're the saying, hope of. You're saying at two and six. I'm saying at nine and eight overall somehow. With you're still going to go like seven and one. No, I'm saying if you can get to four and seven with Watson and go okay. five and one with him, you're nine and eight. You're playing meaningful games in December, dude. I told you last week. You and I can't sit up here on a Friday. I said this. These are my words, not yours. You can't sit here on a Friday and say Patriots games a must win. And then that happens, and then act like it's not. It was. It was a must win. This one so was, was this. a must one. Yes, they're mu- it's so we we've done that too much to sit here and act like they they're not. They were. 
No, so that's the my, hole my was point too is, deep right. to come out of it. That's my point. So what you can do, though, is – so I'm not even talking playoffs. I'm talking about playing meaningful games in December with Watson. What's the and definition that can be of done. meaningful? Like playoff implications? Yeah. The hope. I'd rather see him play in in the hope of that sure. or not. Well, yeah. You know? We need to win games. I mean – Right. So if you look at the four that you have, the two most winning, winning, the most likely wins left before him are Miami and Tampa Bay. And the Bengals. We beat, I mean, the Bengals. we've beaten them four times in a row. The way they looked the last two weeks, it's hard to wrap it. But your last When we five, beat them, they had just smoked somebody last year. We're not what we were a year ago, though. This is, it's. We do turn in a good defensive performance this week. So hopefully that can stack. You hope. By the end of the week, we'll talk ourselves into it. Uh, I mean, your last six with Deshaun back at Houston. I'd like to think that you're going to go. Hey, my point is, though, if yeah. we don't beat the Bengals, okay, and we're two and six, trailing by a minimum, minimum of two games. To if we lose Bengals, we're down three games to the Bengals, right? Yeah, they're no Cincinnati's zero and two in the division. Baltimore's two and zero. Yeah, but what's their record overall? They would be five and three. Okay, and we would yeah. be two and six. So we would be down yeah. three games to them and not have the tiebreaker right. over them. Right. We would be down if the Ravens lost, we'd still be down two without a tiebreaker over the Ravens. If the Ravens have won this week. Tampa Bay on Thursday night. Yeah. If the Ravens win that game, we'd be down three to both of them without the tiebreaker over either of them. But what I but I what I said though, just that was just happening in the AFC though, no one's running away with it. Seven teams get in. You still might with a above five hundred record get it at being a wild card team that might happen you can talk yourself into that and i think you have to be able to do that by the time he comes back look at the rest of the afc not like, exactly no one's lighting the world on fire no you're no. gonna get right now it feels like it feels like you're gonna get the wild cards which of, of which there are three in the afc it feels like the jets are gonna make it it feels like the ravens or Bengals will make it and then it could be the Dolphins. Who knows? Who knows? I, I'm not That's what I'm saying. Like, they're not I, running away. No one's running yeah, away. But if we're two and six, my point home is we're right too them, far behind. Right, but to your teams. point that you're just making on them, if you were to somehow win the next three, now you're six and six. So what you, or five you, and six. Or whatever, five and six. So so that's what I'm saying. Like, I'd like to have some signs of life before I'm running off three-game winning streaks. Well, dude, that's why I said you had to beat the Patriots. And you had home. to beat the Ravens, and you had to beat the Chargers, and you, you had, had to beat, beat the Jets these. when you were up you didn't 13 do any of it. with less than two minutes to go. You didn't do any of it. With no timeouts And for that's them. why this game, to wrap this up, that's why this loss to Baltimore, I don't have the same emotional attachment to it because we played pretty well. The reason that I do. And Compared to what we've done in previous weeks. Here's we didn't why, blow this one. And we didn't play poorly against the Chargers no. either. No, that one we blew, though. We got beaten by the Patriots. Yeah. Why this one hurts me is because had we won it, regardless, taking all everything else into account, had we won on Monday night, we're in first place in the AFC North. So, like, losing this game, all of a sudden you go from being a game away from being in first place in the AFC North to if you win, whoop de doo you're two games behind. Right. Or maybe three games behind. I guess the, I think we're both the same thing, the same issue. This Winning one, the, beating like the Ravens, could have all, all we did about everything you could. These weren't and we still lost. I so, understand, so what? but my point is, if yeah. we had won that game, you had a chance to fundamentally alter the course of the season with two consecutive wins. Now, winning two consecutive games just means you're two games under your what? You get to back to four and five 
and you're still not in first place in the division. If you'd beaten the Ravens and beaten the Bengals, you would have been in first place. You had to beat the Ravens before that could be a thing, and we had every opportunity to. We played a good game, and we lost anyway mm-hmm. because big bullseye for me on special teams. Like, And special teams has cost us a lot of games this year. Yeah, and we don't have the margin to be losing those games, and now here we are at you know two and five, feeling like where are we going this year? And as you said, there are now two parallel paths. It used to be a singular focus on this season, yeah. and be having this be a season of consequence. And I think that hurts our fans. I think it hurts our coaches. I think it hurts our players. I think it hurts everybody in this building, everybody in this city, and everybody who follows this team around the country and the world. And I've gotten texts from people all around the world about it. Yeah. Nothing quite like tailgating touchdowns and twisted tea. It tastes just like real iced tea. You know why? Because it's made with real brewed iced tea. Cool, refreshing, 5% kick of alcohol. It's Thirst Down and Gold Twisted Tea, hard iced tea. Keep it twisted. The Hoff joining us coming up next. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Elk and Elk, serious lawyers, serious injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk's a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. Let's head out on the hotline for a visit with our great friend Joe Thomas. It is the Joe Thomas Hour of the program. Uh, Hoff, honestly, in in comparison to what we've seen in previous weeks, we played pretty well in this one. Um, just not clutch and not an ability to, to get wins when wins are there to be gotten. Uh, but in terms of trying to do all of the things that you wanted to do, we kind of did that, and yet a loss is a loss, and now two and five, my friend. What were your thoughts on, on, on what happened yesterday out in Baltimore? Yeah, I was listening to Kevin Stefanski's post-game presser, and I heard the word frustrating about a thousand times, and glad I'm not playing a drinking game where we have to drink every time I hear frustrating because I'd be on the floor by now and that's exactly how I feel as a fan like how many times this season already have we said oh it was frustrating we didn't do this we we played so well we showed so much promise in this game our defense played their best game of the season we limited Lamar Jackson we talked about how Andrew Barry wanted to create this fast defense with fast linebackers where we could play three safeties and get all the speed on the field to limit those quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson that want to run the football. And we did all those things. Jacoby Brissett's playing much better football than he did last week. He's hitting balls down the field. He's making connections with Amari Cooper, but yet in the critical moments in the game, you have critical penalties. You have mistakes that are being made by some of our best players. And it is frustrating when those things happen, because if you want to NFL, you've got to be able to make those plays in those big moments. And we didn't. And it's been a theme of this season. And here we are at two and five. And for me, this one hurts so much because had you just gotten yourself to, you know, three and four being the Ravens, you could have gotten to first place with the win over the Bengals. Now, first place. now we're, we're nowhere near it. We're, we're, oh. it's, and it's brutal. When you watch this game and you say to yourself, and and Bo and I did this at the top of the show, Mark Andrews, no catches for the first time since his rookie season. Zero catches. Lamar Jackson was neutralized as a runner and as a passer. They ran for 3.6 yards a carry. They ran it a lot, but not very effectively. 
And yet we lost a game in which Jacoby Brissett goes 22 of 27 for 260 yards. Nick Chubb runs for 91 yards over five yards a carry. I mean, how do we keep losing these games? Why do we not know how to win? And what the hell is going on with our special teams? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I'm, I'm watching the Giants yesterday. Brian Dayball, former coach of mine, got a lot of respect for him. And so I, I enjoy watching the way he coaches his team and how his team executes. And the Browns have way more talent across the board than the Giants. But they're finding a way to win in those critical moments and in a league of parity where the whole thing is set up for equality. Like 85, 90% of the team's fan bases in the NFL are mad right now because they feel like they should be better because everybody's kind of in the middle. But what makes a difference is the execution that you make in those critical moments. Like that is the difference in today's NFL. Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, a long, long time ago, they understood the importance of special teams and then situational football and being smart and sound and fundamentally perfect in those critical moments. And you win so many games throughout the course of a season by just doing those things that take a little bit of effort. It's not even a talent thing, right? It's something that takes no no talent. It's purely execution and focus and practicing with a purpose and being good in those moments. That wins and loses you games in the NFL and we could be in first place by games in the AFC North. And instead, we're sitting at two and five. And it's not acceptable anymore. I heard there was a lot of shouting in the locker room after the game. Z, maybe you were still upstairs. But that was one of the things that you know a lot of the reporters talked about today. And I sure. like that. I like that the older guys, the leaders on that team, hopefully are expressing how important every little thing that you do is to the young guys in the team. Because this is what we talked about uh, earlier in the season, Bo, when you asked me, like, how do you get better in, at situational football? How do you get better at executing in those hard moments? And a lot of it is experience. But also, I think for the young guys who don't have that experience, just expressing to them how important everything you do in the NFL is in practice, in meetings, when you're going through those walkthroughs, to be locked in and focused on your job, like it's the Super Bowl, even though it's a walkthrough, that's how you carry over and then you're able to play big in the big moments in the game. And I think, I really hope that some of the young guys are starting to get the message like this season's going to be over before you know it. And do not squander the opportunities, which they have been doing, but you can't yeah. do it anymore. Like we're at more than a crossroads right now, but we're still not out of it. Like that's why I think the young guys got to understand. It's so frustrating and disappointing, but it's not over it, but it has to start immediately. Well, the, the hard thing too, I think is, and it's been a, you know, you mentioned the, the report of the yelling back and forth, you know, yesterday in the locker room, we had press conferences here last week with, uh, John Johnson, we had one with Joel Batonio where it talked about, you know, being a pro work and ethic. work yeah. ethic and all of these things and, and taking your work home and focus and all of that. Joe, you can speak to this because you were self-motivated and you did exact, you knew what you had to do and you got ready on a week in week out basis, but guys are different, right? And some guys, some guys need somebody in them and yelling at them and motivating them that way. Other guys are self-motivated. They do it on their own. How, when you hear some of the comments that you heard coming out of here last week, what what's going through your head? I was excited to hear it because I think it's absolutely true because you could see it on the outside. Like when you're not making plays when you should in the most important moments in the game, to me that either means it's not important enough to you, you lack focus in the game or in the preparation for the game. 
and it seems like they play hard. It seems like the effort and the focus is there on game day on Sundays. However, if you're continually not making those plays, that's a reflection on your preparation. So I was glad to hear John Johnson and Joel call guys out as warning shots because you know it's been happening behind closed doors, but there's sort of like a hierarchy of tiers on how to get these guys to wake up, right? It was the same thing on, when I was there. It's the same thing everywhere in the NFL. Like the first thing you're going to try to do is keep it in-house in the locker room, in those meeting rooms, give those guys the wake-up calls. Then maybe it has to happen in front of your peers, right? Now it's not just the meeting room. Maybe it's the whole team meeting. Maybe it's in the locker room with the whole team there, like you saw after the game. And then sort of like the final stop is like, hey, you hate airing dirty laundry in the media, but sometimes that's what guys need to get that wake-up call because what was good enough, maybe at a different place, what was good enough when you were playing college football it's not good enough anymore. Like, this is the big leagues. This is not a joke. This is not what people are doing as a hobby. This is your livelihood. This is your lifestyle. You are a football player. Everything you have with your identity is wrapped up in this. And I love my family, but your family is on hold when you're in the NFL during the season. Like, this is the most important it's gotta be your thing lifestyle. Doing. It's got to be who you are, man. Yeah, and I think that's... That's part of the problem, I think, and we've seen the way that that's manifested itself in all of these losses. And, and Hoff, my question to you is this, and, and you probably know this all too well, but like, who are the leaders on this team? So let's say that on the defense, you know, your best players are Miles and Denzel. Neither of them strike me as vocal leaders. On the offense, you know, Amari and Nick Chubb, certainly not vocal leaders. And then Joel is certainly the most accomplished guy, you know, on the team over the body of his career. But you told us, as great as you were, it's hard to be a leader as an offensive lineman other than to lead by example, right? And so I just wonder who's leading this team. You heard John Johnson try to do it. And yes, he had a lot of success with the Rams. He's been good here, but it's not like he's an all pro with the Cleveland Browns. I just think it's hard. I, I don't know who the leaders are, who can wrangle these guys. And, you know, Jacoby's got great leadership, but ultimately he's your backup quarterback. Yeah. it's just I think it's a hard situation, and, and you have guys that clearly need that extra kick in the, in the butt, and we have a head coach who is very calm in his demeanor from all of the counts that we know of. I, I don't know who's going to do that, and it just feels like things are just slipping right through their hands. And, and, you know, yes, there were people who were fired up after the game and there was talks that some of the words that people had heard outside of the locker room was no leadership and that there was a lot of yelling about that. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I know what's happened this year is not reflective of the talent on the field or the way that it's been coached. The team has been coached well, uh, certainly on offense. And I know the defense was top five a year ago. Special teams, I know that Mike Prefer is a well-regarded special teams coach, but guys keep making blunders on, on that third phase of the game. But I don't know who, who leads and how do you lead? How do you make it matter to somebody? How do you let them know this has to be your life? Because if it's not, you're going to suffer through a career of, of not getting it done at the level that you want. Like you didn't play on teams, at least at the end of your career, with the talent that this team had. You would have killed to play on a team like this. And I know you always dedicated yourself anyway, but it probably would have been something extra special for you to play on a team this talented. Yeah, I, I think the wake up call that the guys need is like how much pain do you need to go through for you to take this seriously enough to make this your lifestyle to make the improvements that need to be made and i think that's probably what some of the shouting in the locker room was that's what happens when you come in on a monday morning and you're reviewing film with your coach and 
the coaches calling guys out and you have to deal with walking in the locker room and meeting with the media when they're asking you the hard questions. Like that's a lot of pain for a player to go through. And you hope that that pain translates into self into anger and frustration that you can focus that energy into your preparation. And to your point about leadership, the, the nature of the game in the NFL, your leader on offense has to be your quarterback because he's the one that's standing behind everybody that knows what everybody is supposed to do on every play. And this is in walkthrough. This is at practice. This is on game day. He's the voice in the huddle. He's the guy that sees everything that's going on. And as offensive linemen, it's a little tough because our backs are to most of the guys that are behind us. And so I remember we'd be out there and going through a walkthrough or something and somebody would screw something up behind us. And if I don't see it as an offensive lineman, it's really hard for you to have that natural leadership where you're barking at players and you're telling them you got to be over here. You got to do this when I'm looking at the defensive line and the linebackers. Right. So that's kind of why it has to come from the quarterback. And it's the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. It's either got to be your, one of your linebackers or your safety. Cause those are the guys that one usually are your signal callers. So they're the voice because too many voices, everything just gets washed out. So you got to have one voice, right? So on defense, it's usually your Mike linebacker or it's a safety because both those guys know where everybody yep. needs to be on every play and they can see it as it's happening because in order to be a good leader, you got to be able to jump on stuff as it's happening, right? And so I appreciate John Johnson for trying to take over some of that role on defense. I can tell Miles is trying to be a little bit more vocal. You see that he's asserting himself a little bit. Uh, but it is hard for a defensive lineman. They have the same issues that offensive linemen have, right? Their hands in the dirt. They're staring at me, breathing snot bubbles in my stance. And he's not <laughs> seeing what's going on behind him. He's not communicating with all those guys. And so I think potentially Deion Jones, I don't really know him, but possibly having somebody in that linebacker room stepping up and becoming that leader that Kirko was, you know, when, when sure. he was there with me, that Dequel Jackson was like, I think having that linebacker leadership, that veteran leadership, as as much as the performance of the linebacker is important, I think having that position with a big voice and a lot of leadership that is holding everybody accountable during the play, like because coaches can't do that when you're out there playing, but right before the snap, during the snap, like that's to me what type of leadership we need on the defensive side, especially. And I think coming from the linebacker position would be huge. It would be, and I thought you were going to drop a... I met Deion Jones at the Pro Bowl in 2017 <laughs> once. That's the only time I ever hung out with him. There so go. going back to what you were saying, the life stand, and you're saying, yeah, people have to tell them, but at what point, you know, do... If from an accountability standpoint, is it, do your reps have to go down if you're not the one putting in the work that you should be, if you're the one who's constantly, you know, blowing assignments? How, how does that get handled, especially under the mantra of smart, tough, and accountable? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good strategy and it works especially well at, let's say, the college level where you have 100 guys and, you know, maybe your difference between your starting cornerback or your second string cornerback is probably not as much. So it's easier to say, all right, you know, we're going to sit you down to start this game or we're going to give somebody else some reps in practice, give them a look, you know, as sort of like a little wake up call, but also like, hey, maybe the guy behind just needs an opportunity. It is a little bit more challenging because of the nature of the NFL where you have a smaller roster. You really don't have as many guys that you can throw in there and and exchange in the season. And it's really hard to find guys other than like unusual trades like the Christian McCaffrey trade where you can find somebody who's good enough to be a starter 
that's on the street or that you can pick up from another team. So you do get a little bit stuck during the NFL season because you just don't have a chance to make a lot of changes on your roster. And so for better or worse, it's a little bit challenging to try to play that ref game because a lot of times, even though maybe it's good to give somebody a wake-up call, like the drop-off between your starter and your backup is usually pretty significant. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier, Hoff. You know, the four straight losses now open up a different line of thinking for the organization, right? Because, yeah, you want to go beat the Bengals, absolutely. You want to, you know, try to save this season, be relevant when Watson comes back. All of those things remain true and 100% committed to that. But there's also this other parallel line that's out there of, hey, we could probably – maybe we ought to recruit some draft assets. We, we talked about Kareem Hunt. Reportedly, the, the Browns are receiving offers for Kareem Hunt or listening to offers for Kareem Hunt. Uh, the same apparently reportedly true with Greedy Williams as well. So now that enters into it. And as I heard you say, yep, I think you probably know what this type of season is. Trade deadline is next Tuesday. How do you manage all of this in the locker room? It's tough, right, because now that becomes a distraction. And that's one of the things that is on people's mind when you want them to be thinking about situational football. You want them to be focusing in on their playbook and putting all of their mental energy and their emotions into preparing themselves to go out and win like it's the Super Bowl. But then the noise that's swirling outside the locker room and in the media and in the fan base is, hey, maybe this season's almost a lost season, so we should try to start playing for the future. And as a player, you can never let your mind wander because then you're going to give less than everything you have to the preparation, which is already the problem that we were talking about earlier in the show, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. this has to be everything and all encompassing of who you are and what you're thinking about, right? I think a good parallel is maybe to look at what's happened with Tom Brady, right? As we kind of shift the focus away from the Browns for a second, Tom Brady made football who he is 100% of the time for two decades and that's what made him the best football player of all time now things have happened in his personal life and in off the field stuff where it seems he hasn't given that same level of commitment this year as he has in the past and just that little bit less commitment that little bit of distraction in your brain where instead of being 100 percent focused on being a football player and getting yourself ready for sundays now it's 98 percent that 2% is your winning and losing difference, right? Like we've seen that in every Browns game this year, just about that's the difference in the NFL. This isn't college where you're winning by three or four touchdowns. Like 2% is what makes the difference. And if you're giving that 2% in your brain to thinking about, you know, the off season or who they're going to bring in here at the trade deadline or other things besides my job, all of a sudden you've allowed the other team to beat you going into that game because that 2% was the winning margin and they were willing to give 100% where you were only given 98%. Crazy to think we're here, but I guess this is where we're at. Browns fans could win big with digital scratch-up game brought to you by the Ohio Lottery on ClevelandBrowns.com, Browns social channels. Fans can play once per day throughout the regular season by digitally scratching off a virtue card for a chance to win great prizes like team shop gift cards and tickets to future games. For more information, log on to ClevelandBrowns.com. Com. We continue with the Joe Thomas Hour. We'll go around the league. A pretty notable benching in the NFL at the quarterback position. We'll get to that coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Bo here for my friends at Renew Home Exteriors, offering high-performance products that are durable, long-lasting, cost- and energy-saving. Transform the look and efficiency of your home. Guys, winter is coming, and it can wreak havoc on your roof. Ice and snow buildup quickly turn into major problems for you. Don't go into winter with concerns about your roof. With Renew Home Exteriors, get a new roof installed in 7 to 10 days. No money down. Payments as low as 96 bucks a month, plus receive free gutter guards with your proof of purchase. Beautify your home with premium siding and roofing products at lower prices with Renew Home Exteriors. Visit RenewEstimates.com for more. Uh, I mentioned a pretty wild day in Indianapolis as we continue in the Joe Thomas Hour of Cleveland Browns Daily. Hoff, they've benched Matt Ryan. Um, he's got a grade two shoulder thing, but it's not just that. He's going to be done for the year uh, as long as uh, Sam Ellinger is, is healthy and available. Ellinger is the starting quarterback for Indy. Frank Reich saying in a press conference within the last hour that it's Ellinger's job the rest of the year. And guys, not only is it Ellinger's job but the backup is Nick Foles going right. forward. So he goes right. So Ryan's to me, I wonder straight. if it, do they try and trade Matt Ryan between now and Tuesday? Have you paid attention to this story at all, Joe? Are you surprised by this? It seems like it came, comes out of the blue from my vantage point. You know, I haven't really paid too close of attention because the Colts really haven't been all that relative in my mind up until yeah. this point. They are three, three, and one right now. So it's not like they're out of it, but. I think Matt Ryan has just played so bad when I watched him that I just kind of wrote them off. And the fact that you just lost 19 to 10 to the Titans, it, to me, it's not completely shocking because Matt Ryan really was not their long-term answer, right? He was just kind of a bridge. They thought they may have a pretty good team. He could bring in a veteran, maybe compete kind of like the Phillip rivers uh, thing that they had a couple years ago. But when you're, guy that's the journeyman veteran that's coming in is not playing well enough it makes sense to say what are we doing here what's the long-term plan he's not going to be our guy into the future so you might as well play somebody else who maybe gives us at least as good of a chance to win as matt did and potentially we could be finding something for the future so you're getting performance now that's almost comparable and then you're also potentially building and finding out about your future so um, it didn't completely shock me that he got benched because of the performance. Uh, however, the thing that surprised me was how bad that he's really played this season when I think a lot of people's expectation was he was he was going to be at least as good as anybody else that they have on that roster. Yeah, it's a, it's a surprising one there with Matt Ryan getting benched. I was definitely surprised by it. it's like he's been great but he hasn't been horrible yeah 70 completion or there about 70 percent of yeah. his passes yeah but nine picks nine touchdowns nine picks so and i'm like hoff i'm not watching him every week so i don't know if Me the pitch or hap are they having at the worst possible uh times in terms of around the the league let's start around the north hoff um the Bengals. well they've got it rolling burrow had 300 yards in the first half they had all almost i mean they were seven yards from um, from Higgins from having all three receivers over 100 yards. Burrow had 480 passing in the game against uh, against the Falcons. Uh, they are now at 4-3, and three, tied with the Ravens atop the division. Um, one thing of note, when you get your first look at Jamar Chase, historically it goes very bad. So this happened with the Saints and it happens with the Falcons. So I don't know if it's a matter of if the tape doesn't make him as explosive as he is in real life or not, Hoff, but it's something that's happened, that when you get your first look at him, you're not ready for it in any way. However you spin it, the Bengals are absolutely rolling coming in here Monday. 
Yeah, bad timing to be catching the Bengals on a Monday night. But, you know, uh, Jamar Chase reminds me of Josh Gordon a little bit, playing with him in 2012. And watching him against the Patriots when he caught a little slant and Aqib Tlaib, who was an all-pro cornerback, he had an angle on him, and Josh just ran past him because Josh was such a big, fast guy with long strides. So when he would run, you wouldn't realize how fast he was going. And I think it's very similar because you'd see him on film, and you knew he was moving quickly, but he didn't have those legs that were moving quick. Like playing with Andrew Hawkins, my guy, he was running, you know, a 4-7-40, but it looked like it was a 3-7 because he's got these short little legs and he's just moving so fast. But Gordon is the opposite, and I think Jamar Chase is a little bit of the same thing. Until you get him in person and you see how fast he's actually moving compared to you when you're running full speed, you just don't have that comparison. So he catches up to you, especially in the first half, like that first half they had, where he's just catching the football and he's just running past people. He is good. T. Higgins is good. And they're finally throwing the ball to Tyler Boyd again. Tyler Boyd is an excellent third receiver. The Bengals, you know, we've had their number. Can we keep that going? That'll be the question. Uh, I did get to watch a little bit of the Dolphins-Steelers last night. Not a ton. The Dolphins have so much talent. And I know Tua's, they haven't lost with Tua starting. But it feels like if they had a quarterback quarterback that they would be. Why do you think Brady's so pissed off? That could be him unstoppable i mean guys are open by five yards waddle said to stop and hill are open all the time uh and then i thought kenny pickett was actually more impressive than i thought he would be but the interceptions were brutal but he made some nice throws yeah yeah i think you can huff you look at i mean i say that in jest but like brady did everything in his power to go to miami and they had one of the most stupefying losses the NFL season yesterday, losing oh to God. Carolina 21-3. to Carolina is actively trying to lose, and they whipped the Bucks in <laughs> Carolina. I mean, you see why that whole thing is off the rails in Tampa, but you also see why Brady tried so hard to get to Miami. Exactly. I mean, you see the talent that Miami has, and I'm, I don't remember what the timeline looked like with Brady and McDaniels, and if McDaniels was – already there or if he had not yet been hired um however i got a lot of respect for mcdaniels he was in cleveland with us he was the receivers coach with kyle shanahan and you could see how smart he was at that time and i mean you never know what people's career path is going to look like and if they're going to continue to ascend at the same level but watching their offense and the creative ways that mcdaniels gets people open and then of course having the talent to be able to execute it's fun i mean that's a fun team to watch i know uh, Tua doesn't have the big arm, so he, I think he's a little bit limited with what they can do, especially with their speedsters, but he's got enough of an arm to back the safeties up, and there's a lot of green grass on that field for Tua to throw to because of those receivers. Just so much speed, so much ability to separate and give their quarterback big windows and big targets to throw the football to. I would also say that if you have the ability to wear a uniform that includes a dolphin with a helmet on it jumping through a ring, <laughs> then wear the damn uniform. Okay. Those <laughs> ring back Joe's uniforms. They're perfect. We've seen a lot of teams wear their throwbacks. Yeah. The Falcons. Falcons are gorgeous. Gorgeous with a black or a red helmet. Doesn't Either matter. Way. Those are great. Just sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like no. it's perfect. Those dolphins are perfect. The old Broncos uniforms are perfect. The new ones are terrible. They've been terrible. They're wearing the same things they were wearing with John Elway. Oh yeah. They're 25 years old. 
They're the, awful. Go yeah. back to the originals. I was watching some clip of Shannon Sharp when the Broncos were whooping the Patriots, and he's on the sideline, and he got on the phone, and they're in Foxborough, and he's talking to the fans. He goes, I'm calling in the National Guard for you guys because they're <laughs> helpless. They have no defense. We're calling in, and he's, like, trolling the fans. But he's wearing the white with the beautiful blue, the blue helmet with the yeah. D and the Bronco. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing, man? Bring I it don't back. Know. I don't know. They they looked great uh, in that game. Um the other thing, scoring is down. The unders are hitting at like a 62% yeah. clip so far this season. Hoff, how much of that is, you know, I just think of the NFC especially. There are three teams that scored a lot last year in Tampa Bay, Green Bay, and the Rams that all suck. And outside of like the Bills and the Chiefs, I don't know that anybody can throw it. I mean, this loss yesterday for Green Bay up where you are, it's got to be stupefying for people up there. To lose to the commies for the Packers is yeah. it's beyond stupefying and I know that the conversation is oh well, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any quarterbacks to throw to but or, or any receivers to throw to he's the quarterback of course yeah. uh, which is some of the issue however like Aaron Rodgers looks like all of a sudden he's aged a little bit just like Tom Brady now Ayahuasca probably messed say- him up they're not the same quarterback they were like two months ago. It's just, it's stupefying. And as frustrated as we are as Browns fans living in Wisconsin, I see the Packer fans are feeling just as frustrated because they thought that this was a year potentially, if they could reload at the receiver position, that they could compete for a Super Bowl because you still have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. But Aaron Rodgers is, it seems like he's protecting his career completion percentage at all costs. Like, he just does not want to throw an interception. He's not taking the chances anymore. He doesn't trust his receivers. And he's just taking safe throws that lose games. It's it's really head-scratching. And then after the game, Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if you guys heard his comments, he said something like, hey, maybe this loss is good for us. And I'm like, dude, maybe <laughs> if it was week one, this is, this is week seven right now. You guys are three and four in a crappy division. And you're probably going to be on the outside looking in when it's time to be in the playoffs because we're almost halfway through the season all right two things number one i know personally two people who have gone down to like latin america wherever you go oh, in South America, and who have gone on like ayahuasca like pilgrimages or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are wackadoodles and they are not the same as they were before they went down there dead serious it's wild so like i don't think aaron Rodgers is possibly the same person he was before he did this like you go in there and you're like basically are like on another planet vomiting for like days like it's all nuts yeah and you have these you get into your inner consciousness or whatever but like none of those people are what i would describe as normal and they are significantly less normal than they were before they went down there like they're messed up their motor skills are messed like they're just whacked you've been saying it for a month well that's why because you and, have the you have the the first well not first hand second hand yeah I've just observed and the second thing is like if Chase Claypool is truly on the block which everybody there has been a lot of talk about like mm-hmm. the Packers should go get him immediately yes they yeah. need a receiver like I think if they had a receiver they'd be just fine they'd be fine the same is not true in Tampa Bay no they have talent they have talent that's a Todd much Bowles is problem. like we're in a dark place and yeah that's I think it it's because like. Brady's not all in no he's not. He, he left for two weeks in camp. He doesn't practice yeah. on Wednesdays. Like, for a guy whose entire career, Hoff, was designed around being all in, how can he try without? You know what I mean? It doesn't work. 
What Plus was at Brady's 45. cheat code? Yeah, Brady's cheat code his whole career was, I care more and I'm going to put in more time than anybody else. Like, when you guys are off having a nice steak dinner in the offseason and pounding beers and having some good vino, he's like, not me. I'm going to be with my massage therapist, watching film, taking care of my body, thinking about doing quarterback things. When you guys are going on family vacations before training camp, not me. I'm training. Like, that was his 2% difference that made him yeah. better than everybody, right? And that's why in critical moments, two-minute drives, if Brady had the ball, he knew exactly where the ball was going to go. And it went down the field, and it was just a matter of time. Do I have enough time? Because if you leave Brady time, he's going to score. But without that level of commitment, he's just a guy. And it's just so weird to yeah. say, like, how many years were we saying, oh, this is the year Brady falls off the cliff. He's going to hit 40. He's going to hit 41. Nobody can do it at that level. And then all of a sudden, at 43, 44, he's still in the MVP conversation. He's winning Super Bowls, going down to Tampa. And this was the year, it seemed like, right, where everyone said, well, Brady's never going to get old. He'll just play forever. And now he's all of a sudden getting old and vanishing, <laughs> crumbling in front of our eyes. But it just shows how much importance commitment is and just making yourself obsessed with being a NFL football player and everything that goes into that preparation. Yeah, there's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers, presented by Milkbone. It's the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. Uh, we've got uh, some other things to get to, including a little fun uh, with Halloween. Joe Hayden returning. That'll be fun. We'll get Hoff's views of that coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily. Brought to you by Ballybet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Be part of one of the most passionate fan base in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today. Best chance of securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. Uh, Joe, on Monday night, Joe Hayden will be honored during the game. Uh, when you think of your time with Joe, and there's obviously, I'm sure, a ton of it, but uh, what is it? Was Were you surprised that he's coming back and, and getting this uh, here in Cleveland with the fact that he played in both? Feels like his heart was always here. It's pretty cool. Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise to me because he did have a, a great career in Pittsburgh, and he obviously had more team success in Pittsburgh, but I think it was really cool just to see how much the city of Cleveland means to so many guys that have played here, even though we haven't had the team success, the playoffs, the Super Bowls that a lot of other teams have had, which brings them close with the city and gives them a lot of great memories. Um, for guys that have played here, I think they understand how special this city is because of the way that the city embraces the team and how important it is. And if you're a player like Joe, who was one of my favorite teammates of all time, because he just always walked around with a smile. He had a positive attitude. He was a hard worker. And I think he really embraced the fans in Cleveland and felt a deep connection. And I'll, w even when he was in Pittsburgh, he would get coach buses together or like vans or whatever. And the guys on the Steelers, they would come up to Cleveland and hang out and party in Cleveland. And I think 
the city of Cleveland just has a really special place for Joe for, and for him to want to retire as a Cleveland Brown, it means a lot because that's pretty tough to say, Hey, I know I just retired as a Steeler and I had, what is it? Five, six good seasons there, but immediately I want to sign with the Browns, the biggest rival where I started my career. And it's more important to me to be a Cleveland Brown. I mean, I, I wonder how the fans in Pittsburgh, and I and I haven't looked into this, but I wonder how the fans in Pittsburgh are receiving the news that Joe Hayden wants to retire as a Brown. He is Cleveland, and I'm I like the, I'm glad that you said that. He was one of my favorite guys to cover in his time here with the team. And and was he would he be like up there if there was a Mount Rushmore of defensive players that you played with? Because I imagine offensively you're so close with a lot of the linemen mm-hmm. and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But would he be one of the your Mount Rushmore defensive players, not just from on the field, but also just like as a guy? Yeah, absolutely. When I think about defensive players that I played with that I just love, that I thought were just awesome teammates, Joe Hayden's up there, Dequell Jackson, uh, Christian Kirksey, Scott Kirko. Fujita, you know, like those are guys, the, the first names that a lot of times they pop into my head when I think about, you know, who are my favorite teammates over there on the defensive side of the ball. And it's just so cool to have him come back and be honored. And hopefully the Browns have the Bengals number like they have in the past. So we can give Joe the, uh, the big day that he so desperately deserves for putting his neck out on the line and shunning the Pittsburgh Steelers to retire as a Cleveland Brown. <laughs> Huff, what's your uh, what's your go to Halloween costume as a kid, as an adult? What's what's one that's your um, among? It's <laughs> the chuckle. Is there a favorite? <laughs> I think I was a Green Bay Packer player with a cheese head like five years in a row. Uh, <laughs> but now I'm I'm much more professional with my Halloween costumes. The wifey and I, she loves Halloween as do I, and we love dressing up. So actually, we had an adult Halloween party this weekend, and I dressed up as uh, Ted Lasso, and she dressed up as Rebecca, the owner from uh, from Ted Lasso, with a Love sexy it. little business suit, and she had her little purse with uh, the biscuits in there. So it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And then with the, with the kids, we're gonna dress up as What About Bob? If you ever seen that movie, I'm the oh please, please. that's one of my that's that is yes. in my top five films oh of all God. time. Yeah, we're familiar. Yeah. Okay, that is my wife's family's absolute favorite movie i'd never seen it until what i married her and uh that is her family's you know every family's kind of got that movie that it's just like their family that is her family's movie that's like my movie so that's great. awesome oh i Huff, can't wait to get you guys Huff. together you guys will go Huff. for hours on what about bob huff the night we played beer pong you played beer pong with sigmund yes i remember that yeah yeah of course yeah Cosmo, yes, yes, exactly. Awesome. I know. Yes. I, remember, I was so excited to get a picture with him. Yeah, for your family. Yes, Danny. right. Yeah. So that's oh, right. That's right. Yeah. So I'm. I'm oh man, we gotta have like a, a screening. Yes. That's yes. beautiful. Oh man, I got amazing. that. I have that movie verbatim. I got the whole dialogue, oh. the whole thing. Dude, my kids love it now too. Which well, is I so called cool. our hoops. Go ahead. No, I was just saying it was so cool. Now hearing my kids quote that movie, they just they love it's it. The best. It's so best. good. So good. I used to call our team, our basketball team, we were the fam when he was like, oh, the fam. <laughs> uh, I love it. So good. God, I love it. See, this is the joy. It's not all so bad on a Monday. A little no. chat with a Hoff. Little, no. little what about Bob? You're in a good mood. Good talking I, to you, brother. I feel much as always. Now. Oh, man. Thanks for having me on. I, I feel so much better now than I did 50 minutes ago. So thanks for that. And I'm glad we got to end on a high note. Yes. Therapy. That's what That's it is. Right. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Baby steps. That's it. That's Baby all we need. Baby we, steps around we got the a Monday office. night score coming your way oh. next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Rumpke Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer's employee, you'll become part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Gibbe. Oh, got a real humdinger on a Monday night. I'll skip this. Yeah. How about the Bears, losers of three straight, going to New England? Patriots three and three, Bears two and four. Zagura, give us a score. Yeah, we're red hot here. This number, though, feels enormous. It's gone up. It feels enormous. It's gone up a point and a half since Thursday. Patriots 20, Bears 13. God. I would kill for that. Belichick with an extra day. It's gone up for a reason. Bears, two. Patriots, 18. Oh, baby. (laughs) We're back tomorrow. The next level is next. Enjoy it. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN, 850 WKNR.